Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From the pages of The New Yorker, this is the weekly comment podcast. In This America, Jill Lepore reports on how the bloody-mindedness of broken men can be countered only by principle and fortitude. On Friday, May 9, 1958, Rabbi Jacob M. Rothschild of the Hebrew Benevolent Congregation in Atlanta delivered a sermon called, Can This Be America? Crosses had been burned and men had been lynched. But Rothschild was mainly talking about the bombs, bundled sticks of dynamite tied with coiled fuses. In the late 1950s, terrorists had set off, or tried to, dozens of bombs at black churches, at white schools that had begun to admit black children, at a concert hall where Louis Armstrong was playing, at the home of Martin Luther King Jr. One out of every ten attacks had been directed at Jews, at synagogues, and community centers in Charlotte, in Nashville, in Jacksonville, in Birmingham. In March 1958, About 20 sticks of dynamite wrapped in paper yarmulkes had exploded in an Orthodox synagogue in Miami. The blast sounded like a plane crash. Our first duty is not to allow ourselves to be intimidated, Rothschild told his congregation. Five months later, some 50 sticks of dynamite exploded at his temple, Atlanta's oldest, blowing a 20-foot hole in a brick wall, toppling columns, shattering stained glass windows. We bombed a temple in Atlanta, a man claiming to be from the Confederate underground said, when he telephoned the press that night. Negroes and Jews are hereby declared aliens. Rothschild grew up in Pittsburgh, in Squirrel Hill. His family went to Temple Rodef Shalom, just blocks away from the Tree of Life synagogue, where 11 people were recently shot and killed during services. Robert Bowers, the man charged in the case, had repeatedly posted on social media about a Jewish aid organization he thought was helping refugees cross the U.S.-Mexico border. The shooting followed a series of mail bombs sent to prominent critics of the president, allegedly by Cesar Sayoc Jr., a Florida man whose white van was plastered with Trump stickers. In the days after these atrocities, Donald Trump announced his intention to end birthright citizenship, to declare, by executive order, that millions of U.S.-born children are aliens. Can this be America? Rothschild, the liberal from Pittsburgh, moved to Atlanta to take up his pulpit in 1946, the year that a white supremacist organization was founded in the city. The Colombians asked potential members three questions. Do you hate Negroes? Do you hate Jews? Do you have three dollars? On Yom Kippur in 1948, Rothschild sought to stir his congregation out of its silence. There is only one real issue, he said. Civil rights. The reign of terror Rothschild decried in 1958 had begun four years earlier, after the Supreme Court's decision in Brown v. Board of Education, when white citizens' councils began forming across the South to oppose desegregation. And then the bombings started, targeting the institutions that hold societies and nations together, schools, houses of worship, newspaper offices. Standing at the site of the Atlanta Temple blast, Mayor William B. Hartsfield declared, Every political rabble-rouser is the godfather of every sneaking cross-burner and dynamiter at work in the South today. 
In the Atlanta Constitution, the syndicated columnist Ralph McGill wrote, To be sure, none said go bomb a Jewish temple or a school, but let it be understood that when leadership in high places in any degree fails to support constituted authority, it opens the gates to all those who wish to take law into their hands. The FBI investigated, as Melissa Fay Green recounts in a book about the bombing, and five men were arrested. The American Nationalist, a California newspaper, ran a story that announced synagogue bombing a fraud. Jewish groups use bomb incident to confuse Gentiles. Only one man, George Bright, was ever tried. He was acquitted. McGill won a Pulitzer Prize. If you call that a prize, Bright scoffed, Pulitzer was just a Jew. America's latest reign of terror began not with Trump's election, but with Obama's. The Brown versus Board of the Presidency. Impeach Obama, yard signs read. He's unconstitutional. In 2011, Trump began demanding that Obama prove his citizenship. I feel I've accomplished something really, really important, Trump told the press, when that spring the White House offered up the president's birth certificate. This fall, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts fell into the same trap. For the five years of Trump's campaign of political attention leading up to the 2016 election, and for the first two years of his administration, attempts to fight Trump on his debased terms have only strengthened him. Rothschild delivered a sermon to his congregation the Friday after the bombing, its title taken from the book of Ezekiel, and none shall make them afraid. Eight hundred people crowded into the blasted synagogue. Never did a band of violent men so misjudge the temper of the objects of their act of intimidation, Rothschild said. Out of the gaping hole that laid bare the havoc wrought within, out of the majestic columns that now lay crumbled and broken, out of the tiny bits of brilliantly colored glass that had once graced with beauty the sanctuary itself, indeed, out of the twisted and evil hearts of bestial men has come a new courage and a new hope. Courage and hope are not the language of Trump's most vociferous political opponents. Blame and grievance are their language, the language of the times, the grammar of Twitter, the idiom of Trump, the taste of bile. Trump's critics have often answered his viciousness with their own viciousness, his abandonment of norms with their abandonment, his fear-mongering with their fear-mongering, his unwillingness to speak to the whole of the country with their own parochialism. But the bloody-mindedness of deranged and broken men can be countered only by principle and fortitude. Rothschild once introduced Dr. King at a banquet in Chicago. King, he said, had been met with wild thunder. Never did he speak with more thunder than during his Christmas Eve sermon in 1967 at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, not far from Rothschild's temple. If we don't have goodwill toward men in this world, we will destroy ourselves, King said. There have always been those who argued that the end justifies the means, that the means really aren't important, he said. But we will never have peace in the world until men everywhere recognize that ends are not cut off from means, because the means represent the ideal in the making, and the end in process. And ultimately, you can't reach good ends through evil means, because the means represent the seed, and the end represents the tree. Another tree has been cut down, 
may a new seed be sown. That was This America by Jill Lepore from The New Yorker magazine, November 12, 2018. Narrated by Jamie Rennell. Also in the magazine this week, Joshua Rothman on the rise of fake video. Yasha Monk on the party system. George Packer on the tribulations of moderate Republicans. Atul Gawande on why doctors hate their computers. Charles McGrath on Anthony Powell. Carrie Baton on Boy Genius. Emily Nussbaum on The Haunting of Hill House. Sarah Larson on Torch Song and Good Grief. Anthony Lane on The Frontrunner and Outlaw King. Fiction by Skulastik Mukasanga and more. Audible.com produces a weekly audio edition of The New Yorker. To subscribe or to download individual issues, we invite you to go to www.audible.com and enter New Yorker in the search box. To subscribe to the comment podcast, go to www.newyorker.com or to the New Yorker room on the iTunes store.